God's word that we'll take a look at this morning comes uh, from that lesson from 1 John chapter 1. Uh, it's on page 3 in your service folder if you'd like to follow along. Otherwise, you're also certainly welcome to pull up your, uh, your own Bible and follow along there if you'd like. Uh, like I said, we'll be taking a look for a, a few weeks here, a little bit of time, on the, the connections that we share with the people around us and how we can both strengthen and, uh, and protect those connections, those relationships. Let's begin hearing God's word this morning with a prayer. Let's ask for God the Holy Spirit to come to us. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we would hear your word this morning and we would meditate on it, that you would, would strengthen us by that word. Fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit that we not only know you, but we also trust you as our King, our Savior, and our Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, you saw from my silly illustration there, maybe it's silly, I don't know, maybe it's not, but you can pick whatever five friends of yourself that you'd like and note whatever the, the interesting trait is, uh, but it's undeniable that when we spend time, I think, with the people around us, we tend to become like them. Uh, we notice this most in our marriages, but uh, it happens in all other areas of life. I suppose if I had something really fancy like colored sand, then we'd notice it more uniquely, right? Because then each person's trait and attribute would, would stay unique within us. We wouldn't turn into a muddy brown mess. But uh, that's what happens when we, we mix together. And the point for us, the, the takeaway, I think is pretty straightforward, something we all recognize, that we become most like the people who share themselves with us. That's who we, we become. Uh, we become like the people that share themselves with us. And so I think this is true for you, I would guess. Take a moment here and uh, just think about a couple of people in your life. Maybe you think of two or three people that spend a lot of time with you. Uh, and not just spend time with you, but give of themselves to you. Give their heart and their lives to you. Have you picked up anything from them? How are you becoming like them? Think about that. Think about a, a couple of names there, maybe, what, and what you might want to put down. Got a couple of people? Good. What I'm showing you there, um, what I'm illustrating is the, I would say it's the impact of fellowship. Okay, it's the impact of fellowship. It's not what church fellowship actually is. It's what how church fellowship actually impacts us. Uh, in the Bible, we, we talk about two kinds of fellowship. We talk about Christian fellowship, uh, and we talk about church fellowship. Although some people will talk about table fellowship, which uh, is kind of a connection of the two, or bringing together the two. Sadly, the Bible, where there's no potluck fellowship in the Bible. Uh, there is no, you can't become a fellow of a, a fellowship uh, in the Bible, there are there's no coffee fellowship, there's no snack fellowship, uh, there are no fellowship halls, uh, and I'm sure you can come up with some other kinds of fellowship that are are not in the Bible. But there's there's no coffee fellowship and fellowship halls in the Bible. That's probably the the key things. There are there is Christian fellowship and and church fellowship, uh, and so those are the the two kinds of things that we need to think about a little bit if we're going to think about fellowship. Today, really, we're going to focus on 
just this one point that the people who are around you the most, uh, the people who share with you, are the people who most influence you. Right? So I want you to just simply discover, God wants you to discover, that there really is such a thing as fellowship. Now, and I want you to know too as we talk about this, um, that this is a really personal thing for me, just as much as it is for many of you. I have to think a lot about the connections that I make. I have a number of um, meaningful or influential uh, mentors and other people, confidants, I guess you could say, trusted guiders in my life uh, who are, are pastors or other Christian leaders who are not of my religious denomination or affiliation. They're not part of the, the Wisconsin Synod. And I, I do that because I want to make sure that I'm listening to the Bible and I'm not blinded by my own uh, presuppositions. Um, I do that because we're not praying together and, and worshiping together. We're, we're talking about how to be better pastors, and these are people who are wise uh, in ways of conducting business and in interacting with people. Um, so they have a lot of good things for me, for me to take away. So I, but I do have to think then a lot about fellowship, about the connection that I have with them and how they share with me. Uh, but it even for me gets more personal than that. I have an uncle who was a pastor in uh, the Wisconsin Synod. He was a pastor in our denomination and he has left our denomination. Um, and so since then, you know, we don't worship together because I'm a pastor and he's a pastor and we're not really at the same church ever on a Sunday morning. Um, but we think about a lot of the ways that we interact with each other. Uh, his, his beliefs have certainly changed since he left uh, his, with the Wisconsin Synod. Um, and we end up talking about those things. We become like the people that are around us, that are sharing with us. And... Um, from my uncle, I, I learned a lot of things, and I have to think about fellowship in many different ways. So what I want you to uh, simply discover right today is that this is something not only that's uh, important to all of us, but that we uh, are becoming somebody in God's eyes. Something that's more than purely a functional thing, you know, just a robot, uh, but that there really is this thing called fellowship where we experience a deeper connection uh, with people in that that, that changes us. Let's take a look at what John God says here, first of all, in, uh, in John chapter 1. Um, he begins in verses 5, 5 to 7. He says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. So in this verse, uh, John tells us how to have God and other people in our lives, doesn't he? He says, I think if we were going to sum it up, we might put it something like this, that if we want to have God in our life, uh, we need to walk in the light. We need to walk in the light. If we claim to have fellowship, we walk in darkness, we lie. Uh, if we walk in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. So if we want to have God in our life, we need to walk in the light. So to use my cup illustration, you could say, right, that uh, if you want to have the name of one of those people be God, 
the, one of those people who is pouring into you, who is sharing something with you, then you need to walk in the light, whatever that means. Now, it sounds at first glance here like what God is saying is if you want to have God in your life, uh, you need to be a good person, doesn't it? You need to do good things. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't most people say that to walk in the light uh, sounds something like, well, you need, to, you need to do the right stuff. You need to be a good person. You need to be a person who can live publicly in front of other people and they can, they can check out your life. Uh, is, that, is that true? Is that really what that means? That's, that's the way a lot of life works, isn't it? Let's just take an example. Your boss, uh, your boss probably invests in the people at your work. Uh, if you're like me, you're thinking to yourself, I don't have a boss right now, so I have no idea how this illustration applies. But just think back to the last time you had a boss then, okay, please? Um, you, have, you have a boss, and your boss invests in the people at your job. And... I want to ask, does your boss invest more in the people who are bad at your work, who are not very productive or effective individuals? Or does your boss invest more in the productive and the effective people? Uh, if your boss is wise and reads up on the, the literature, you know, he, he, she should invest in the people who are more productive. Uh, most of us spend a lot of time wasting time on the people who are, are less productive, but um, the, the good, wise instructors will tell you, spend time with the people who are productive because you'll get more out of them. Marcus Buckingham, who is kind of an expert on management, he says that the best bosses, their top performers, are the ones who drive progress at the company. And that is why they need the most attention. And so you spend the most time with the people who are good, uh, with the people who add benefit to your business. Another example, you know, uh, I spend a, a fair bit of time with families that are going through uh, quite a bit of, of challenges and difficult situations in their lives. Uh, families that are, are going through you know, divorces and other things that are kind of difficult. Uh, it's, it's never the family member who is good who ends up getting cut off or alienated or ostracized from the family. Uh, it's always the family member who is, I don't, you know, the, the wreck, I guess, uh, the one who's got all the problems, who ends up getting cut off, pushed out of the fellowship of the family. Uh, it's that person who is, who is pushed away, right? We, we spend, we should spend time. That's the way the world works. We should spend time with the people who are good, the people who produce the most results and bring the greatest benefit. And, and we naturally push out uh, the people who cause us all kinds of problems. And what does that mean then for our, our faith life? Well, a little while back, somebody came to me and they asked me, can I pray to God? Can I pray? Right? Because this is a person who, who just likes to write out things sometimes. Sometimes they speak prayers, but they don't know who they're praying to. They're not praying to anybody in particular. They're just praying. They're just talking. They didn't know if they could actually even pray to God. They didn't think that they were good enough to. Um, you know, and how many people have been driven or, or pushed out of a church because they think they aren't good enough. Because they don't have enough money. Because their life is not up to par. Because they don't smile enough. They don't connect enough. They don't give enough. Isn't that the way we often act 
uh, about our lives with God and with one another? I mean, to get more to the point, how many of you are convinced that you are good enough for God? I, I bet a lot of you, you, hopefully you wouldn't put your hands up for that one, right? But at the same time, how many of you are convinced that you, that you know God dearly, that you have joy and love in your life, that you experience a close warmth from him, that his word impacts you and it hits you? Is that also your experience? See, because if, if you say, I'm good enough for God, uh, a lot of us would say, I'm not good enough for God, wouldn't we? And we would also say that we don't really know God well in our lives. Is that because we bought into the, the idea that we have to be good enough to have God mean something to us, to have God in our lives? That's not what John is, is talking about here. Look on to what he says in verses 8 to 10. He says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You see what John is saying here? What God is saying here, what he's saying is that he's with people who confess their sins. God is, God is with people who confess their sins. He's not with people who deny their sin. He, he's not with people who deny that they have problems. God operates the exact opposite way that your work does. God operates the exact opposite way of your dysfunctional family. Right? When your, your family, when God sees a family that's full of dysfunction and he sees somebody who finally says, hey, I've got a lot of problems. I'm the cause of the problem here, in fact. I'm the one that's making everything a mess. God says, there's where I'm going to be. When, when your, your co-worker says, I'm the one that's all the problems. I'm the one that's causing the mess. God says, that's where I'm going to be. I'm not going to be away from you all. I'm not going to cut myself off from you. I'm not with the person who says they're good enough. I think John here, he really helps us understand what he says in verses four, 5 to 7, doesn't he? When he says, walk in the light, what does it mean to, to walk in the light? You can be a good person and walk in the light. You can be a bad person and, and walk in the light. What's the difference between somebody who walks in the light and somebody who walks in the darkness? The person who walks in the light wants to know where they're going, where they're coming from and where they're going and, and, and try to avoid the bad stuff along the way. The person who walks in the darkness, well, they don't care if they... They walk against something and stub their toe. They don't care if they hurt and fall, and they, they don't know where they're going, do they? See, the person who walks in the light is looking for help, looking for guidance, looking for instruction, aren't they? And Jesus says, John says, be that person who, who walks in the light. You need to be good if you're going to be a Christian at something completely different from the world. You need to be good at confessing. You need to be good at asking for help. You need to be good at, honestly, at opening up and saying, this is something that I'm really bad at and I have a problem with this and I need help fixing this. How many of us are good at that? You good at that? I'm, I'm not probably very good at that. Right? But, but if you're going to walk with Jesus, if you're going to walk with God in your life, that's what you need to be good at. Christians are good at confessing. 
I'd love to say, like I said, that I'm good at this, but I don't think that this is something that I am very good at. I did have one chance, though, to, to work at it a while back and got in a fight with somebody, long day of arguing, and then the next morning I got to meet with a trusted confidant and a, a guide in my life, and I said, this is really bad. I messed all this stuff up. I just made a huge, huge mess of it with this person. And I don't know how to get out of this thing. And this person was not just a confidant, but they were a Christian. And they, they listened to me. We talked for a better part of two hours as we, we worked through the mess that I had made. And I, I walked out of that little meeting, I guess you could say, more refreshed and encouraged than I had been in a long time. He said not to me, not only that I was forgiven, but that he, he loved me. This was a guy I hardly knew, I had hardly met before, but he, he said he loved me, he cared about me. He thought that I was worth paying attention to. Even though he was a busy, important man, lots of things to do in his life, he was a, a leader of a huge organization. He said he loved me and he cared about me. I was important to him. Do you know what the word fellowship means? Do you know just what the, the basic idea of that word is? It, it, it does connect with coffee hour, coffee fellowship, and potlucks, and all of those things. Why? It, it's, it's not about the chitting and the chatting and all of those as nice as though. Fellowship means sharing. It means participating in something. When, when somebody passes you a cup of coffee at fellowship hour, that's, now, now, now you're getting at fellowship. Right? Fellowship means that you share or you participate in something. Um, what God is saying here is that when you have fellowship with him, right, then he shares everything that he has with you. Look at what he says in verse uh, 9 with me, please. He says, if we confess our sins he is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, do you see what, what God is saying in that verse? He's, he's not just saying that he forgives us. I mean, as if that's enough, right? But that's, that's huge, isn't it? That's wonderful all by itself. If we confess our sins, God doesn't turn us away. He will actually forgive us. But he even goes beyond that, doesn't he? He says he will purify us from all unrighteousness. God doesn't put it on you to fix yourself. God says, when you confess your sins to me, then I'm going to give you something to clean you up. Like my illustration there, right, of this person who has everybody else, all of their friends dumped into them, and you get all muddy because you're all mixed up, some good and some bad from the people around you. When Jesus puts himself into you, then you can get cleaned up. And you see what's happening there. It's not just that God is, is putting himself in you and cleaning you up, but now you have a participation with God, don't you? Now you share something with God. The image of God that was put into you when God made you is now getting renewed and restored in you. You share in the most intimate and near way possible with who God actually is. 
Can you see how wonderful that is? How amazing that is? Don't you want to have fellowship with God so that you can share in God himself with you? Isn't that incredible? There was, there was a time, you know, subsequent, so I, I met that, that guide in my life, that confidant, and I told him how I messed up. And about a year later, we were again together, and I, I had the chance to tell him, hey, I, I need you to pray for me for forgiveness. For forgiveness. Please pray that I'm forgiven. And he did, right there on the spot. And it wasn't an easy, easy prayer, but I, I walked away from it weeping, crying, because I got the forgiveness that I was looking for. He shared with me in the most important way what I needed to heal. This is what Christians have, right? Because Jesus shares himself with us. Fellowship means that Jesus shares himself with us. So, if you want to get a, a, a deeper picture, a clearer picture of what fellowship means, I don't think you can do any better than uh, if you're, I guess I say, if you're maybe on the younger side, uh, than reading The Lord of the Rings. Uh, and, and here's why. is because I think I would have to admit that I had no idea what fellowship was until I started uh, reading Lord of the Rings. I, I, I knew it wasn't probably just coffee hour as much as I liked coffee hour. I knew it had to be something more than that, but I couldn't, like, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it in my mind and put my finger on it. But as, as the Lord of the Rings draws to a close, uh, and I think that those of you who have been around the block a few more times get this more naturally than the rest of us. Um, as it closes... The, the main character, he says this. He says to his good friend, he says, You are my heir. All that I had and I might have, I leave to you. Here at last comes the end of our fellowship. Go in peace. I will not say, do not weep. For not all tears are evil. What I have, I give to you. And now comes our fellowship to an end. That really struck me. Now that's what fellowship looks like. A, a journey sharing together all of those gifts, yes, towards a goal, but so people can share with one another. And that is what we learn out of fellowship. So here's what I'd like to ask you to do this week um, as you think about this picture of fellowship. I want you to think about maybe the top five or so people who share themselves with you in your life. It could be the five people or maybe the five groups of people. Who are those people who share themselves with you? How do they maybe impact you? This is going to come back for us over the coming weeks, so this will help us. You could write this down in your service folder underneath the uh, sermon section there and keep that with you. And we will certainly then be able to remember that Christians connect deeper. This is a, a deeper connection that we have with one another. Let's pray then. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity this morning to connect deeper with one another once again because we have fellowship with you. You do not only forgive us, but you give of yourself to us to purify us, to make us whole and clean. We pray that you might continue to share yourselves with us so that who we are, who we become, is modeled after you. Then we can share the same thing with our friends and our neighbors and our family around us 
and they too become like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.